What's going on? Welcome into the Sharp Angle Podcast. How's everyone doing today? Thanks for joining us on a Tuesday. Today is Inside the Industry. We're going to do another episode. This is a, a series that we started last week. Every Tuesday for the next month, month and a half, we're going to be doing an Inside the Industry series. Last week, we talked about the people. Who makes the industry go? Who makes the industry what it is in terms of all of the different people involved, from those making bets to those making lines to those legislating what the rules will be, you know, politicians. So if you guys didn't uh, catch that, go back last Tuesday and listen to our first Inside the Industry episode. But uh, today on Inside the Industry, we're going to talk about the line, the journey of the line. We've talked about this a little bit before. We've touched on it on other shows but it's so complex the way lines are created and adjusted and what lines do all the way from when they're made to when they get to you until the game starts. So we'll talk today about the line, the journey of the line. Special thanks to Better Edge. And look, today we're going to be talking about the line, the VIG, how to beat the percentage that the house charges, uh, the household. That all goes away if you bet VIG free. Now, Everything we're going to talk about today is classic standard bookmaking, but I believe that's going away. Everything we're talking about today, hopefully, doesn't exist in 20 years because Better Edge or companies like Better Edge who are allowing you to bet VIG free are changing the game. Now, I said companies like Better Edge because there are some in England or the UK. I don't know of any others in America that let you bet VIG free. So check them out online, betteredge.com. That's B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com, like sports better. And you can see what I'm talking about. You know, it is a little different than a classic sports betting experience or a sports book experience. But the best thing is you don't charge a VIG. You don't pay a VIG, I should say. So really, theoretically, what that means is over the course of a year, two years, five years, your expected losses are zero dollars, zero cents, because you're not paying into anything. You're not paying into a VIG. So it's it, it that is honestly what I think the future of sports betting is going to look like. So check them out online, betteredge.com, B-E-T-T-O-R, edge.com. Use promo code SHARP for a free $10. Uh, betteredge.com, promo code SHARP. All right, so let's get into it. The journey of the line. How is the line created? Uh, what goes into developing the line? And how is it adjusted from when it opens up to when it gets to you? Because I know a lot of you guys listening today maybe bet at one sports book or a couple sports books and... It's just not the best the best approach to only bet at one or two books and then wait till game day. You know, it's it's not a good combination of things, and we'll talk about why uh, on today's show. But look, let's start with this. Obviously, the line is the price. You know, the line is what we bet into. If you're betting basketball and the line is uh, what's the line tonight for the Nuggets and the Portland Trailblazers? I think the Denver Nuggets are minus one at home against Portland in the playoffs or whenever that game is. That's game, that game's coming up in a couple days. Uh, so what that line will look like is Denver minus one, minus 110, Portland plus one, minus 110. So the minus 110 is the price we're paying. If we want to make the bet of Denver Nuggets minus one, we have to bet minus 110. So what does that mean? The minus 110 means we bet $110 to make 100. If it's minus 150, we bet $150 to make 100. If it's minus 200, we bet $200 to make 100. And it's the opposite for a plus. If you get plus 150, 
you pay $100 to win $150. If you get plus $300, you pay $100 to win $300. So the line, what we pay, minus $110, minus $150, minus $200, there's always a break-even percentage that those lines represent. So when you see the classic minus 110, there is a break-even percentage associated with minus 110. That percentage is 52.38. That's why over the long run, if you don't go, or excuse me, if you go 52.38 or above, if you have a winning percentage of anything higher than 52.38 and you only bet minus 110 sports, you're now a winning sports better. That's what it takes. The whole issue is it's difficult to overcome that. It's difficult to go 53%. Now, you may say, ah, that's easy. 53%, I can do that. No, you can't. I mean, if you can, great. Then you can quit your job. But that's the issue. That's that's the how most people lose money is most people are going to go right around 50-50 over their lifetime. You know, so it's that edge. It's that little vig that they charge that allows them to make so much money. But keep in mind, Every price has a break-even percentage. Minus 110 equals 52.38. Minus 150, that equals 60%. If you think something has a 61% chance of happening and the market is charging minus 150, make the bet. You have a 1% edge. If you think something has a 59% chance of happening and the market's charging minus 150, you don't make the bet because now they have the edge. That's how this all works. Every line equals a percentage. And if you think the percentage is higher than what it should be, don't make the bet. If you think the percentage is lower than what it should be, then you make the bet. Um, If you guys want a tool to figure out break-even percentages for all the lines out there for yourselves, it's easy. Check out aceodds.com. That's A-C-E-odds.com and find the odds converter. There, you can just type in any line, minus 135, and it'll give you the break-even percentage for that line. But remember, every single line has a break-even percentage. So that's the first thing we have to go over with lines. Now, how is the line created? How do these bookmakers decide that the Nuggets should be a one-point favorite against Portland or that the Lakers should be you know, a three-point favorite against Golden State or whatever. How do they decide that? Well, there's a combination of three things. Math nerds and handicappers, copying other books, and price discovery. So before we go into these three ways that lines are made and these three different ways of lines being created, we first have to distinguish the difference between market-making books and retail books. Market-making books are actually very different sports books than retail books. Market-making books come out with a line. They develop the world-opening line and take sharp action. They let professionals bet at market-making books. They're confident in their lines and they really trust their process. Now, market-making books, again, while they'll take professional action and things like that, often the limits are very low at first. And we'll talk about that and, and, and how limits change and things like that. But just know market-making books allow you to bet the opening line and retail sports books, they don't offer an opening line. They wait and then they take, they copy market-making books lines once all the professionals have bet. So there's two kinds of sports books, market-making books who make the market and retail books who just wait and copy market-making lines. As some examples, I hear sometimes on Twitter, you say, how do you talk about these, but you don't give us any examples? I have a couple examples today of 
market-making books, and retail books. Market-making sports books are very rare. You're not going to find many market makers. Um, you have to search. You have to go out there and do some homework. You have to scour different websites to, to find who's coming out with lines first. But I can tell you, for sports like NHL hockey or soccer or even um, some NBA, betonline.com is one of the sports books who comes out with world openers. Uh, bookmaker.com, world openers. Some brick and mortar places in Las Vegas, uh, Circuit Sportsbook, The Westgate, South Point. These are market making books. These are sports books who have very, very, you know, a good staff of people, a lot of people, good people working for them, and they're not afraid to take some action, to put the line out there and to take some action. Retail sports books are much more common. And I can guarantee most of you listening are betting with a retail book right now. Retail sports books include offshore books like Bavada, Five Dimes. But then most of the legal domesticated US books are actually retail books. BetMGM, FanDuel, PointsBet, BetRivers, BetFred, William Hill, FoxBet, WinBet, BetMonarch, SmartBets, BetAmerica, Barstool Sportsbook. These are all retail sports books. These sports books all have one thing in common. They just sit back, wait for the market makers to do their thing, and then copy lines once they've settled down. Now, you may notice I didn't mention DraftKings in there. And that's because DraftKings actually, I think, does a really good job of getting lines out there early, taking action, taking a stand. DraftKings is right in the middle. They're not a market maker, but they're not all the way on the retail side. So I, I did have to throw that out there. DraftKings doesn't really belong in either category because they do a good job. They're like a retail book that does a good job of offering good prices, good lines, and has a fair household. So that kind of does it in terms of the actual specific market makers and retail books. But it's, you guys got to remember, market making books, open lines, create the lines, retail books, wait, 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 and then copy the lines. So let's get to market making books, how do they develop their opening lines? What does that look like? What does that process look like? Well, now we're back to our three things. The math nerds slash handicappers, copying other sports books, and price discovery. Let's start off with the nerds, okay? Because the math nerds actually play a very, very small role in this process. You guys may have thought, yeah, they, you know, each book just has a couple of really good nerds, a couple of data scientists and a handicapper, and that's how they do their lines. That's not necessarily the truth, you know? Um, nerds, the math nerds, they do play an extremely small role because, first of all, their salary is really expensive and sports books are cheap. They don't want to pay people six figures, a high six figures to do this. So that's the first thing. You know, they, these salaries are very, very high. The other thing is, honestly, and this is probably the most meaningful, sports nerds don't really make the best lines. You know, there's a lot going on outside of just the, the data, the numbers. Um, so that's that's the thing is, you know, they're expensive for the salaries, the math nerds, but also they, they create good lines, just not the best lines. Now, the math nerds and handicappers for a lot of these market makers work together, uh, especially as we get into the modern era of sports betting. You know, these, these market making books understand they've got to have accurate lines from the get go. So they've employed these math guys, these handicappers to help the math guys. And you know that that's a small part of the process. They develop the opening line, they put it out there. But the reason why I say that's only a small part of the process, that's the opening line. That is the process. However, there's a game the sportsbooks play to ensure that they don't get too uh, that they don't get too risky with their own bets. 
And they do that by making sure that they have very, very low limits when they first put these bets out there. So bet online, let's get over to hockey as an example. Bet online may come up with the world opener for a game. Let, let's use the Islanders and the Penguins tonight or uh, tomorrow. The uh, Let's get a price on it first. Um, all right, so tomorrow, Islanders, Penguins. Oh, come on. Uh, it's minus 110 each way. Okay, so minus 110, minus 110 right now for Islanders, Penguins. So what will happen is a market-making book opens up a line. Let's say they create, they they open it up and put uh, New York minus one ten, Pittsburgh minus one ten. Well, and this is just an example, but what'll happen is they'll they'll set their limits at you know like two hundred bucks or something like that, you know maybe two fifty whatever. So someone comes in and they bet, let's say Pittsburgh at minus one ten. Well, these market making books now will use price discovery to make sure they have an accurate line. So if they put out there, New York Islanders minus 110, Pittsburgh minus 110, someone comes along and bets Pittsburgh minus 110, they may move the line to now Pittsburgh minus 120. And then somebody else comes along and they put another max bet down, $200 on Pittsburgh minus 120. So the book says, okay, uh, we've had two people come in. We're going to move the line again, Pittsburgh minus 130. And then somebody comes in again and says, hey, I want to bet the max on Pittsburgh minus 130. Now it's Pittsburgh minus 140. And this isn't going to happen. Again, it's just an example. But my point is, this is all happening. And then suddenly the bets stop. Now the sportsbooks clients aren't so interested in coming in and betting Pittsburgh. There's not a lot of action. So the sportsbooks will then increase their limits. Now instead of a $200 bet, you can bet 500 and so they get a little bit more action. Maybe they get now a $500 bet on uh, New York and the price goes back down to minus 130. And then they get a $500 bet on Pittsburgh and maybe they raise it to minus 135. Okay, it's starting to settle down. The line's starting to even out. And then something interesting happens. Then the sports books open up to like $10,000 limits. And everyone who couldn't have been bothered with the $200, $500 bet, like a lot of these syndicates, now they come in and make their bets. And so let's say the syndicates place a $10,000 bet on New York. Well, now the, the, the price of Pittsburgh minus 135 now it may come down to Pittsburgh minus 130 or minus 125. And then they get another $10,000 bet on Pittsburgh. And so it raises a little bit. To, now it's a, at, at an even minus 135. And that number seems pretty good. The bets have evened out. You're not taking any real action. It seems to be even money on both sides. That seems like a good line. Pittsburgh minus 135. Well, only at, this, only at this point do the retail books now come in and steal the lines. So market-making books come out with an opening line with very low limits. Then they'll move based on action, and actually they'll also move based on who's making bets. This is a reason why syndicates don't like sports bettors like me, because I'm fine making a $200 or $500 bet. That's fine for me. I'm an independent better. I don't have anyone to take care of. I'm not a hedge fund. I'm worried about my money. So me, as a winning NHL better, what happens is the books look at my bet and they say, yeah, it may only be for 500 bucks, but this guy knows what he's doing. We're going to move the line. So now syndicates get pissed off at people like me because I'm moving the lines based on small bets, $200, $500. When you know, syndicates are used to lines moving based on tens of thousands of dollars moving these lines. So, 
you know, sports books don't just move based on action. Keep in mind, they also move based on who's making sports bets. That's very important. But my point with all this is market making books come out with a line, very low limits, and then eventually through price discovery, they'll change their lines, they'll adjust their limits, and they'll even out or, or correct what their lines should be. Then only once all of this feeding frenzy is done, once the professionals are finished betting and the lines have settled down, and really, by definition, there's no more value on either side, then and only then do all of these retail sports books come in and copy the lines. Now, they may tailor their lines to their clientele. If you bet on Bovada, which is an extremely notorious square betting website, you know, they may juice up the favorites a little bit, things like that, you know, because they know their clientele bets favorites. So these retail books don't always copy verbatim the market making lines, but generally they're copying lines, maybe tweaking a little bit for their, their clientele, but they're copying these lines. And then retail sports books don't actually move on action. They move only if market making books move. So retail sports books may open up with a line and get heavy, heavy action on one side, but most retail books actually won't move until they see a market maker do so. You know, it's funny. Retail sports books don't really have to be good at handicapping or know anything about sports. <laughs> they copy an accurate line and then they charge a VIG. This is what retail sports books do. And one thing that all of you should take away from this if you're betting at a retail sports book, and if you're betting especially exclusively at a retail sports book, you're doing yourself no favors. Pretty much, here's what's happening. If you bet at a retail sports book ex exclusively, you're at the back end of the Black Friday line. By the time you get into the store and by the time you finally make your way into the store for the Black Friday sale, there is no more sale. All of the good items are gone. There's no more deals. There's just the scraps on the shelves that no one else wanted. This is effectively what you're doing if you're betting at a retail book. You're saying, yeah, I know all the professionals pass on this line and all the syndicates and people who do this for a living you know, saw this line and thought there was value up until this point, but I think they're all wrong. I think there's still value on making the bet. That's effectively what you're saying, betting against all of these lines once they get to a retail book. Raise your hand, unless you're driving, raise your hand if you've ever placed an NFL bet on Sunday. Yep, this is exactly what you've done. The pros, if you're, if you're a real true NFL better and you're betting after Tuesday, you're, 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 you're done. <laughs> you know, you have no chance of winning if you're betting after Tuesday and you're an NFL better. Think about that. You know, this whole process from market making books opening lines to the low limits being raised to the line settling to, to retail books getting the lines, that usually takes the, uh, anywhere from an hour to a couple hours. I mean, sometimes an NFL and an NFL week, that whole process may take 45 minutes. You know, this happens fast. If you're not paying attention, you're going to miss out on all the value and all these good lines. You know, it's funny. That's why I'm so careful on the weekend quick picks to only give lines that have heavy value still, because it's rare that on game day, you find all these different lines and prices and games. It just doesn't happen. You know, most of these, most of these NHL games, if an NHL game closes, uh, Edmonton Oilers minus 150, most pros have Edmonton like minus 135. And that's the thing. If you repeat that process over and over and over and over and over, that's how you become a pro. But I, I, I'm telling you guys, if you're betting at retail books and waiting for the lines to come and waiting for them to open up and then you bet, 
it's just you're pretty much already putting yourself behind the eight ball for something that's already so tough to beat. You know, sports betting is not easy to beat, but when you're betting at a retail book only, now you see the whole journey, the process, what lines go through, the adjustments, the chipping away before most people even see the line. So do yourself a favor, start betting at a, at a market-making book or hell, just get rid of the VIG altogether and start betting at Better Edge, you know? So it's tough to beat sports betting, but it's even tougher when you're betting into bigger VIGs, when you're paying more money to bet. Know what you're doing. Know if you're betting in a market-making book or a retail book. Know how to calculate the household. You know, know the break-even percentage. And we taught, taught you today how to do that. So... All this stuff is really important. And uh, that does it for today's pod of uh, The Line, the journey of The Line. Hope you guys enjoyed it. And hopefully you learn a little bit about when to make good bets and how to make good bets. All right, whatever you have going on today, tonight, hope you cash some winners. Good luck. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Sharp Angle.